from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. This thing on. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Yes, we are live in the studio. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Nice, cool morning that it is. If you have plans for today, uh, if you're a true uh, Florida cracker, you might want to put on some long johns. It's a little chilly and there's a little nipply wind coming out of the uh, north that uh, might slow you down a little bit. And uh, we're nice and comfortable and warm here in the studio at the Beasley Broadcasting Empire, live and in person. What's going on? Uh, Where's the gang? Do you want me to go down the list? Where's everybody at? Well, I have my brother Bart, who I had to get up this morning and shake him out of bed. And then uh, our good friend Tom Free volunteered his services to come in uh, because, well, let me get through the list. Uh, Jonathan's up in Bluntstown. Bill George is out at Turkey Fest 2021 going on out of Green Swamp. Uh, Glenn's up at Panasofsky. Mike's over at Homosassa. I have no idea where Carlos is, but I'm sure it's somewhere looking to try to kill a turkey or something. Shooting something. Well, uh, when is it your turn to go on a, on a nice little hunting trip? I won't be able to leave here probably until June. And, yeah. then, and then even then it won't be a hunting trip. It'll probably be uh, uh, going somewhere and doing something nefarious. I have no idea. But that's where everybody is, so... Uh, I uh, I asked Tom if he'd like to come in. He said, sure, man, I'll come in. And uh, he volunteered. And then uh, Bart, of course, I had to just, you know, shake alive and get him in a shower. And then everything was all good. And he so, came. So you're saying this is the D lineup. This is uh, this would be uh, the, <laughs> be the club pro that hangs around outside of the, uh, the clubhouse at the golf course. <laughs> the guy with the funky pants on that kind of goes, hey, you guys want a golf lesson? $26, how do it? Or a case of beer. <laughs> See? <laughs> they work cheap. I think Bart's cheaper than uh, than Tom. His taste buds are a little higher than, than Bart's. Bart's <laughs> natty ice, whatever it is, I don't care. Sweet tea over here. If it's some form of liquid bread, I'll take it. It's mm, no big bread deal. Soda. <laughs> bread soda. So anyway, that's where we are today, and that's where everybody is. And it usually it's one guy. <laughs> but now it's both. Well, you got you know Bluntstown. Uh, you know he's you know you got a Jonathan man. He's still recovering from the hurricane that went through there. So he's got uh, the uh, when you when you have power people coming out and you live way out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the country. And Tom, you can attest to this. You know it's not something where you just call up Duke Energy and go, uh, "Yeah, my lights went out, and uh, can you come fix it?" And they go, "We'll have a truck there in fifteen minutes." You live out there, and you got like 900 acres out there, and you go, yeah, I need a power pole uh, put out through the easement. Well, first you got to cut about five acres of trees, move them out of the way, bulldoze this out of the way, make sure they're back from how, – how far do trees have to be from power lines on an easement anymore? Do you remember when Dad had to cut all those? What was – how far were they? I mean, they were – 60 feet on each side or something uh, yeah, like I'd that? Yeah, probably say like 50 yards away each. So, you know, you got to cut a swath through your land. You have to put power poles in, which they charge you for. And then, so the more poles you get, the more it costs you. And then, uh, you know, 
you got to sit there and make sure their gate is locked or they got a key to the gate or what. Because as soon as they pull up, then that gate's locked. We're out of here. Gate's locked. We'll uh, we'll notify you and let you know when we're going to come back. Okay, bye-bye. Well, it could be six months from now. So when Jonathan got the call and said we could be there this weekend, he went, I'm not going to be on the show this weekend. I have to go. <laughs> I have to go meet these guys. Otherwise, I'll be on the waiting list for another Lord knows how long. So he's gone. Bill George, of course, has been warning us for weeks that his uh, little circus is going to be in town, which he does every single year. So he's out there uh, probably around some smoky, nasty remnants of a fire trying to stay warm. And uh, Oh, no, no. He's waiting for fly down right now. That's that's more than likely yeah, what's he's happening. Al- he's already in the woods. I don't know, man. This is, this is really dark 30, man, for that. Still. Remember, it's 6 a.m. I mean, in, in reality life, I mean, in daylight savings, it's 7, but it's 6 a.m. Uh, anywhere else in the world. The turkeys didn't know that we turned the clocks, you know, forward. <laughs> That's, yeah, they don't know. It's, they're still in the same time zone. So uh, he's out there with who? I don't know. I was hoping maybe he would call in with a report a little bit later on, but he ain't going to do that unless either there's no birds or uh, he's not going to go out till later on in the afternoon or something. So, And then Mike, of course, is just... He's up at home assassin, so forget it. It's done. He's over. He's up there hanging out. He's doing his thing. It's uh, one of those things where he's just not going to be here. And that's what he said. Why am I hearing stuff in here? Is anybody else hearing stuff in here? I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing it. It's the CNN. Oh, God, God, God. how do we turn that thing off, man? Yeah, hey. push the power button. Oh. There's a power button? You know what? That I'm might help. Gonna, I'm going to come in there. <laughs> Is there one? Hey, look at Tom. He knows how to do it. It's like magic. I just, I just earned my, my pay for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you don't know, uh, you know, Bart is my brother, of course, uh, been around for all of his life. And uh, avid outdoorsman, as a matter of fact, one of the original members of the Big and Wild Outdoors when we started on a, another radio station over across the uh, pond. It was uh, Bart and Glenn and I who originally yeah. started. And... Uh, uh, went on from there, and of course, then he moved away, went out to Tejas f- to chase some dreams out there for a while, and uh, couldn't come in and play anymore. Nope. So then it was just poor little old man Glenn that left us all alone. And then uh, later on, as we moved over back over to our original home here over where it was CBS, but now Beasley, uh, we decided to stay here. And then, of course, Tom, I met a few years ago <clears throat> uh, doing some charity stuff together and uh, through Tiffany. And uh, we've just been kind of hanging out ever since. And then once he had his kidney problems and then Jonathan had his, they became, uh, you know, internal organ brothers. We, we have all kinds of, fan, uh, you know, fascinating discussions about kidney function and <laughs> urine and diets. It's, 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 we, we have a good old time. Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, Tom uh, used to live on one of the best fishing spots in Tampa Bay, to be honest with you. And then uh, he quite recently had moved. A little more to the south. Uh, I, I don't. I, moved, I don't know where you are. I moved literally three miles south, and I, when I put my underwater lights back in, I have yet to see my first snook at my new location. I was going to ask you that. I was like, I, I saw some social media posts where uh, you had at least bait fish. Show I have. Up. I have so. Many, I have tons of bait, but not. I have yet to see my first snook. I have tons of sheephead. Tons of mangrove snapper, but no snook. Literally three miles south of my old house. No, that's crazy talk. Well, the original house where you were was really almost directly across from 
uh, Ross Island, Mermaid's Point, uh, you could see from your backyard. Yep. And so there's a lot of movement through there. There's a lot of fishing back there. It's, of course, some people say that's the backside of Whedon, but Whedon is actually a different island from Ross Island. I don't think a lot of people know that. but um, they, just call it all, they just call that whole thing. Yeah, it's Whedon just all Island. Whedon. If you ever drive out to Whedon Island, if, before you get to the little uh, faux guard tower there, you look over and you'll actually see a grave marker there, and that's Mr. Ross that's there. So well, <laughs> you, were, you were running around out back out there before there was nothing, uh, no park, no anything. Nothing. Those are your old stomping grounds. Oh, man, you don't know how many forts I built out there. And a lot of people used to build other things out there as well. <laughs> I think there were a couple of moonshine stills, and there were uh, a couple of fields of uh, some strange weed that used to grow out there. It was really weird. Kind of looks like bamboo, but it's not bamboo. So that wasn't a bamboo forest <laughs> that we walked through that one time? No, that was. That was the original. There used to be a huge bamboo forest out there Man. that was left over from when the original, from when the guy was going to turn it into a botanical garden. Oh, uh, that was when he lived at that mansion that used to be out there. And um, and then, of course, the airport came, and then the movie, uh, uh, there was a movie studio out there for a while. and then Yeah, back in the 20s, right? Yeah, and then the hangar and the mansion used to be there for the longest time, and they, they you know, that's where all the ruffians used to go, you know, to hang out. And, you know, if you're going to risk going down that old dirt road, you know. You better <laughs> have a reason to be there. Yeah, it was, uh, well, you got to remember, this was all county, so there was no law enforcement out there except for, like, troopers, and they sure as heck weren't driving down there. <laughs> they weren't going down that road. Uh, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait out here on this asphalt for them to come back out, then we'll check them. And, then, of course, they wouldn't come out till the sun came up, so they were gone by then. Well, shift's over. Later. <laughs> the old broken bridge, you know, there was actually two pieces of the bridge that were still there, but the middle was missing, and uh, they used to drive over to connect to 62nd Avenue, and, I mean, it was just back in the day. But I wanted to ask you about the lights and all that kind of stuff with the new dock and everything else that you got going on. We'll do that when we get back from break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We are brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford. Brooksy may be there today. He may not be. I don't know. Last I saw, he was out in the woods catching pigs, so he might be a little worn out. You get good deals today because you'll be like, yeah, whatever, pay whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for getting up early and joining us here on the show. You know, uh, you're welcome to call about anything if you want to. It's all good. We're uh, 888-404-1010. That's 888-404-1010 if you would uh, like to call in or comment or anything. And don't forget, Bill George will be mad if I don't uh, reiterate the fact that if you ever miss the show, you know you can always go to bigandwild.com and catch it uh, right there on the past shows. You can uh, do the podcast type thing. Uh, Diego and his... Vigilance always loads it up at the end of the show, so you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or any of those kinds of places like that where you can find your uh, your podcasts. Uh, I found one. I was searching one day, and I'm not joking. It was like some place over in Sweden or something. And I remember back in the day, we had that guy that called used to call every once in a while from Sweden. 
and uh, uh, maybe he put in a good word for us or something over there. I don't I don't know how it works over there. Uh, I don't in either. A foreign nation. I'd like to visit though. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. Especially since there was like only like at the time when we spoke to him, there was only maybe like seventeen hundred uh, bow hunters in the entire country. Oh, game on! <laughs> it's like uh, there were there were no, like no bow hunters because uh, they, the bows even had to be like registered and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. It was not like you could just uh, you know go to your corner store and go, I'll take that PSC right there and go out and go hunt. You know, you had to go through the hoops and everything. But then of course also. Everything they get to shoot over there is all suppressed. So all their rifles have, you know, nice big suppressors on the ends of them. I guess you don't want to create any avalanches? <laughs> Maybe. Or scare off the Icelandic moose. I don't know. Mm. I don't know how that goes or whatever it is that's over there. That's a yeah, totally I was going to say, what do they even hunt there? Uh, they hunt all kinds of stuff. He had a moose. There. They have uh, wolves. They have uh, some sort of deer. I can't remember what, what it was, but um, there's apparently a lot of stuff that they can hunt up there. Reindeer, caribou type things. I, I don't I don't know. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Maybe a seal or two. I don't I just don't I don't <laughs> know what you do. But now uh, I was going to ask you because uh Tom of course recently moved from a beautiful spot across from Ross Island down 3 miles south and you cleaned up all the lights, got them all looking good, got them all working, got them all out in place and they've been underwater for how long now? Uh, about 3 weeks. Three weeks and you haven't seen one Three snook weeks yet, and I and I have yet to see my my first snook. And you know that's got to be kind of a letdown because I remember your backyard was like the you know the old aquatarium. Uh, yeah, I, I mean uh, on any given night, uh, you know there would be twenty or thirty snook hanging in the lights at, at the old dock easily. And now you know back there on uh, it's it's considered Snell Island Harbor is the the body of water I'm on and I don't know if it's the water temperature is down and they're still hanging in the back country or what but yeah it's still wait still waiting to is see Is that the first canal one. is it is it a lot deeper than where you it's, used to yeah, be Yeah yeah it's it's uh it's uh it's much deeper but you know we, there's no mangroves you know I you know oh. I had all the mangroves over there on the island that you know and then of course the the grass flats I think this is probably mostly mud bottom uh, where I am, so you know, it could be a could be a combination of factors. I'm hoping once things warm up that uh, I'll start seeing a few snook. If not, I'm just going to have to start catching mangrove snapper. There's or, nothing or wrong sheep with that. Yeah. <laughs> or sheep head. Yeah, no, I shoot I shoot the sheep heads with the the bow. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean uh, that that'll work on a light. That'll help a lot. Well, you know, when we where we grew up on the uh, over here on Riviera Bay on the backside, uh, we were on a canal that had a mud bottom as well. So. Uh, the only time we'd really see snook back in there was when it got cold, yeah. and of course yeah. they'd come back for that warmer water yeah. and that black dark water, and uh, get those bellies up there on that nice warm mud and just kind of hang there like, oh my god, is it going to warm up at all? It's miserable out here. But we were always hammered with uh, sheep's head, big sheep's head, yeah. and uh, didn't tons get, of blue crabs. Yeah, didn't get didn't get a lot of mangrove snapper back in there, but. Um, uh, decent reds occasionally would come cruising through. I'm, I'm hoping to find some redfish back there. I had I had a few a uh, few reds that would show up uh, from time to time at the old house, but not as consistent uh, as I would I would hope. But yeah, new house has some some possibilities. As soon as I finish getting uh, everything moved in, I'll start fishing more. Now you've probably looked into this a lot more than I have, but is there still a moratorium against? Uh 
the artificial reef thing. You, I mean, can you still do that under your dock, but not outside it's, of your dock? You know, I've, I've never looked into what the official rules are, but, you know, I, I would say that every once in a while a, a rock or a cinder block would accidentally fall off uh, my old dock and, and end up underneath, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, any structure. You know, back in South Carolina, we used to collect all the, uh, the cr- Christmas trees, after you know, after the holidays, and uh, take them down to Lake Greenwood, and uh, create brush piles all around, all around <laughs> for crappie fishing. You know, you so. can't can't do that anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least it it's a it private may, it lake. May, it may or may not continue to this day. I don't know how my boys up in South Carolina are. No, uh, we did it. That. We did it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, where they grew up out in uh, Texas. Uh, Christmas tree went down there on the uh, deep end, went out on deep end of the pond or out in the middle. And uh, growing up when I was a kid, uh, the stock tank every year, Christmas tree would go out there and you make a brush pile over on the side. And uh, come springtime, that was the first place you ran one of those little H&H spinner baits right across from there. Wobbam! Yep. They were wobbam! Every time. But um, I, I remember back in the day, I remember um, – uh, Tom Rivers that used to run this radio station, he was on the Air Coastal, and he was um, uh, complaining that he was not catching any fish. You know, here I am on the Air Coastal. It dropped off. It was really nice. And uh, he was not, he's like, dude, all I get is like catfish out here. I got nothing. I can't catch anything. There just doesn't seem to be anything hanging around. And somebody suggested that perhaps maybe some marble chips and some cinder blocks and some things like that underneath his dock might help out his situation and within a year or so oh my gosh man it's like it's a, and i don't know why the fwc it, doesn't encourage it that doesn't kind of stuff. it doesn't take much structure uh, you know there's a company out of south florida that's making these uh they're basically a f- like a floating reef that you can secure underneath I've your seen docks those, yeah and uh you know I, I i get the ads popping up on my facebook all the time and it, and it looks like an interesting theory they and know you and their their big their big thing is, is it, it you know it increases the surface area allows more marine life to grow filters more water and they're actually marketing it as a way to improve water quality well let's face it in st pete with all our our lovely infrastructure pumping sewage into the bay you know, you would think that the, they would want us to do as much as we could to to promote the filtering of uh, some of this stuff out of the water. Yeah, they, they kind of hang down like curtains. Yep. Yeah, and I've seen those. And um, you can, you literally put them, like, under your dock uh, so that it's not anything outside that's going to, you know, rip off somebody's lower unit or anything like that. And uh, what it does, it creates space between where the fish can get in between them, ambush spots, and then, of course, you get oyster growth, barnacle growth, all that kind of stuff. All the filter all right feeders yeah. that are going to improve our water quality. You know, so you, you think I would you be would, okay with that. Yeah. I, I would think that would be a wonderful we've, we've thing. We built a, this beautiful multi-million dollar pier. Let's, uh, you know, <laughs> improve the water that it sits upon. <clears throat> I'm still wondering if you can uh, go underneath there yet and spearfish. I'm sure I, you can. I have yet to see anybody doing it. And then when I walk down there, I'm like, that's all I can think about is how many sheephead and drum and everything else are living under this new pier. Oh, Mike, yeah, because the old so pier my, used to be oh, just loaded, loaded with them. Yeah. And the good thing about the old pier was, if you remember, um, if you'd ever, I don't know if you ever did, but if you ever went underneath the pier, uh, they had these drainage things the Mm -hmm. big squares in the roadway where water would drain down off the pier and it would create these shafts of light that would go straight down into the water and go straight to the bottom and it was almost like like an attracted light because 
Uh, it was the one place where all the fish would congregate around those beams of light that shine through. And we'd, we'd get under there at low tide, hand hand over hand underneath, you know, where you're touching the bottom of the pier and get into by one of the things, drop filler crabs down there and just fill up the boat with sheep's head. Yeah. And then if, you know, somebody was brave enough, you know, you'd go over the side with a little AMF uh, spear gun. And, you know, back then it was legal. Uh, you know, every once in a while, a big old snook would come swimming through that shaft and, you know, you know, nail him and, and do your thing. But uh, the new one I have yet to get under, but I know that Bart's tried to fish off of it once yes, or twice. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's still. Had a little run in with yeah, uh, there's no security. Signs, there's no posted yeah, signs. Yeah, the only, the, is that they've only got that little small area out at the very end. Right. Right. And it's, it's 500 square feet. Yeah. 500 square feet. Yeah, on, yeah. on all that, that. You know, that pier used to provide so much uh, fishing space for people yeah. all up and down the pier. And then just to, to, to give, you know, 500 square feet is a, it's a kind joke. of a slap in the face. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that from what I understand, if you're if there's no fishing, there has to be actual signs posted that says there's no fishing. There has to be an ordinance. There has to be an ordinance sign. There are no ordinances posted anywhere on that pier. The people that I ran into said, well, it's on our website. It's good enough. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's completely not. So, what, what if you're one of those, you know, rare people who doesn't uh, get on the internet? That's exactly or, what I said. Or doesn't know how to get to your page and your uh, not whatever. from here, or not from here. Yeah. You know, if you're a guy exactly. visiting from Massachusetts and decide well, to throw a two ounce. Last time, pyramid I, last weight. time I checked, you know, fishermen pay taxes too, and. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'm they pay you, more than taxes. You, they pay for do, a fishing license. Yeah. We need to do the Great American Fishing on the pier. We well, your boy fun. Carlos has been pushing for it since uh, you first uh, alerted us of the issue. He wants us to go down there and actually broadcast live from the pier and do a uh, catfish tournament from the pier. Let's do it. <laughs> See how long it takes for the riot <laughs> police to show up. Fish. Yeah, I don't care. Whatever catfish, Name pinfish, your- pick one. Tra- go for the so you can get the first trash fish slam. Oh, see, that, yeah, trash fish slam tournament. There we go. Now we're starting to make some headway here. Yeah, trash can slam. What would that include? That'd be uh, uh, hardhead catfish. It'd be ladyfish. Ladyfish. Oh, that's a tough. That's a tough combo it, to get in one day in one it, place. Isn't, uh, the Jack Ravel into that, but yeah, canal tunas are. Yeah, but jacks are another one that's hard to get in the same place. So if you're going to be out there, uh, catfish, ladyfish, jack, unless you're in a boat. If you're fishing off a pier, that's yeah. a that's a hard one to get. Yeah, and it's from what I've seen on YouTube videos and stuff like that is that everybody that's fishing the 500 square foot is fishing one specific spot. Of course. So everybody's fishing this one little uh, portion, which is the south side, right as the stairs come down, and that's where everybody fishes, and they're they're catching sheep's head and mangrove snapper, and that's that's well, all they're targeting down there. Is is the rumble is the rumble pile still? Out there at the end I of the honestly pier, couldn't or tell you. I was so I was so angry. I haven't been to the pier yet, so I don't know if they've shifted it to the right or did they put it exactly where the old they pier was? They put it exactly where the footprint of the old pier was. So, so I, that means that that pile of rubble is still out there. But man, you got to have one hell of a casting arm well, to they, get to. They it. also added, you know, uh, the, towards the beginning, they added those breakwaters mm-hmm. to protect that new beach area that they that, that which. You know, you and they don't they don't have a fishing area where you can fish the best structure of the whole place. No, I mean that's you can if you were in a kayak. Yeah, if you were in a kayak, yeah, yeah. or a boat, you could pull up an anchor on it. Yeah, I mean, completely social distance away, fishing the uh, the little channel yeah. in between um, Demon's Landing and the pier. Uh, for, you know, well, my three year old son, you know, catching small little mangrove snapper, catch and release, and I get harassed for fishing over there. 
And uh, Well, you can continue your complaining when we come back from break. I will. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Bigger Wild Outdoors. Braden Gunn, Barton Blair, Tom Freak, Diego. We're all here hanging out with you this morning. If you want to call, you can. If not, okay, just listen. It's all good. We can talk. We'll be back. Yeah. Or did you just steal my CD? No, it was on cassette tape. That's how long ago it was. I've never owned a cassette tape. You must be older than me. Must be. I've never. What is a cassette tape? I don't know. It was this thing that we put into a machine that we have to press play. What? Yeah. We even record songs off the radio. I love stuff. it because when my kids find stuff like that laying around out in the garage or whatever, they're like, Dad, what is this thing? I was like, well, son, that's what we used to have to listen to our music on back in the day. And, and it's kind of like when I was a kid, and you pick up the big uh, eight-track cassette tape out of your cousin's, uh, you know, Shelby Mustang, and go, "What is this, Billy? That's what the music will watch here." Like, yeah, and you're I, like, "No way! That is the greatest thing ever!" Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Was I woke up uh, last week when B was over there, and he's like, he's playing around with the video camera. I'm like, "Oh man." Family videos. <laughs> Let's break this thing. And he's like, "How does this thing even work? Like, I, uh, where, where is it? Like, where it, you don't touch anything? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm what, just what, like what, sitting there watching him. Just like, record. oh, this is good. This is even more entertaining. Turn the TV off. This is way more entertaining. For years, my son has heard about the adventures of Dad. So, uh, yep. and a lot of them have been on videotape. So, I uh, had to go. It literally took me about three hours of searching to find the the cord. Uh, I found the videotapes. Uh, I couldn't remember where the hell I had the camera. I was like, where is the camera? Are you telling me you actually still own a VCR? No, I don't have the one. <laughs> Wait, we should no. get one. Is the TV in the kids' room? Is that still got the VCR on yeah, the bottom? Yeah, the TV doesn't work. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, it's whatever. But um, So I remember that Grandpa bought us the little digital camera, the little one that he ended up yeah. with, the little Sony digital thing. And for the life of me, I'm like, I don't know where my camera is. I, I mean, it was a nice, you know, high eight, uh, you know, video camera that I used to take with me on trips uh, with the Bucks yep. and things like that. And um, I'm sitting there racking my brain. I'm going, where in the heck is my? I go, wait a minute. I know where it is. Had to go over, open the safe. There it was. It was in the safe. I put it in the safe and, um, Plug it all in, uh, the TV and everything, and of course with a new TV with the RCA plugs and all that stuff and trying to put it into a digital TV and all that stuff. No, it never worked. Yeah, I don't care working. what you put it on. It wouldn't go. So my son had to watch it on the little screen, the little pop-out screen he pushed play, which <laughs> to this generation is great because they all watch it on their phones anyway, which is about the same size. So he sat there and he watched like all the tapes. Yep. The Shaquille O'Neal hunt, the uh, you know the trip to Japan, you know Mount Fuji, the whole, I mean all those ones. So he was finally caught up, and uh, now I have all these videotapes what, that I need to. Was he was he impressed with his father? He he thought it was very funny because I used to tell him you know I said when we were me and Ronnie Lane you know Ronnie Lane 90, uh, Ronnie yeah. Night Train Lane he of course does sports on six twenty now but uh, when he was with the Bucks. 
we were walking down the streets of Tokyo, and uh, people were just like, you know, asking for autographs. They wanted their pictures taken with us and things like that. And and uh, Bear was like, "Why would they do that?" I said, "Well, they they're not used to seeing." Big white people or big black people. They're just not used to seeing it there on the street. So they think if you're there, you must be somebody important. Yeah. Because otherwise, there, there's no other reason for you to be there. And, you know, so uh, especially for a black guy, Ronnie was just like, what, am I, what is going on out here? What is this? All these girls are like, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, uh, sure. I, and they're all their little, like, Pokemon outfits and stuff, you know. And uh, uh, it, was, it was hilarious. But anyway. Oh, man. So he didn't think it was, if it was true until he saw the videotape, and he was like, "Wow, that was pretty amazing." So, and the uh, the infamous Coke machine thing where Ronnie was walking, he's like, "Man, I am dying of thirst." Is there because there's vending machines everywhere, and you can buy everything in vending machines there, but you can't find a Coke. <laughs> you can't find a soft drink to save your life unless it's mixed with something. And he's like, "What about the?" We had a, we had to have an interpreter with this is a girl named uh, Michiru, Mitch. We used to call her for short. And uh, she's having to read everything and explain to him what this drink is. You know, well, this is an energy drink. This is a health drink. And he goes, what about this one? Uh, this one looks good in the green bottle. She goes, oh, that's a mixture of cow urine and yogurt. Oh, because, you know, that, that's got to be a top seller. <laughs> I, I guess it is. And Ronnie Lane just kind of just all of a sudden turns around and goes, what did you just say? She said, it's, uh, well, in her, uh, in her dialect was like, it's a... Uh, Caliurin and yogurt. And he's like, mm. now who in the blah, 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 thinks of something like that? Who put those two, th- two things together and said this is going to be delicious? <laughs> Doesn't anything in here have a Coke in it at all? And I mean, we must have went by 50 or 60 of them, and not one of them had a soft drink in it. You had pantyhose. You had uh, clothing, T-shirts. Uh, I mean, just like you said, you could buy anything yeah. there. Uh, I think you could even buy a car. Uh, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm sure you could have. But anyway, so he saw all the videotapes and thought it was really great and all that kind of stuff. So that's where we were. I just thought it was amazing that he was enamored with the old technology. And it was extremely <coughs> funny watching him try to work it. Well, it's like those memes where you see kids and they hand them a rotary phone and say, can you, do you know how to dial a phone? We were, we were watching that the other day and that, it, that, that cracked me up t- to no end. Yeah, it's like, really, how do you not figure that out? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's pretty simple. But now, uh, speaking of the pier, we were talking before the break about the pier and the fishing tournament thing. And, of course, Bill George, uh, in his gray world, you know, he lives between the law and breaking the law and a, and a lot of things. Because he, if it's not this, then technically you can do this. So mm-hmm. yeah. if you had 150 people out there on the pier with fishing rods and you had a pyramid weight tied to the end of it and you cast it out there and you just leave it there and you have fishing poles lined up. Technically, you're not fishing. Yeah, because there's not a there's not a hook or bait. That's right. If you if you go by Bill George, who would sit there and give you every legal definition of fishing, you know that it has to be hook you and have line to actually or lure. be trying to catch a fish. Right, and there has to be an act of doing these particular things that actually define fishing. So if you just have a weight on the end of it, you're not technically fishing. You're just straightening out your line. Yeah, I mean technically, you know that's all you're doing. I am practicing casting. That's yeah. even better. I like that. <laughs> See? Yeah, yeah, but you were, we were discussing, you know, how, you know, during the, the social distancing, COVID, you know, respecting everybody's personal space, they want to cram everybody into 500 square feet at the end of the pier. 
Yeah, well, that makes zero sense to me. As long as you have a mask and uh, gloves and uh, you know biohazard hand sanitizer, suit, hand, 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 sanitizer. hand sanitizer, which I'm sure is just great for fish once you handle them and then release them. You know, yep. I'm sure that that probably does wonders for them. Yeah, the slime but coat. I, I know I, when they. I remember when they were first developing the pier and they had the blueprints out and they were asking for everybody's input. Remember those days? Oh, yes. <clears throat> and I think Bart and I and a bunch of other people said, is there going to be fishing allowed on the pier? Of course, we didn't go into the technicalities of is there going to be more than 500 square feet of fishing, but we just thought it was going to be like the old pier. And that's yeah. what happens when you assume. Well, what they said was there is a 500-foot section that is going to be fishing. So I'm thinking to myself that they're going to have a 500-foot offsh- offshoot out into the bay and with the, ow, with, the, with, the, with the rubble piles like on either side. I figured that that's how that was going to go. Nope. That's what I was hoping square would go. Foot. <clears throat> I was hoping yeah. it would be that way where uh, they would take some of the old pier, leave it out in a certain area under uh, 10 feet of water, and that would make things a lot nicer out there. Kind of like what they did at Fort DeSoto. Yeah, but mm-hmm. obviously they didn't talk to the FWC or any marine biologist or anything like that whatsoever in developing of the pier. I think that also hanging those little curtain things we were talking about before would probably be a great thing as well. There's Anything you can do to increase the surface area. Thousands and thousands of square feet of uh, hanging uh, filtration system into Tampa Bay right there by the outlet uh, off of uh, North Shore Beach would probably be a good thing. Yeah. Because if you've ever walked out there at low tide, <clears throat> that lovely smell, that all flows down from Old Northeast. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, when, you know, when you're walking along the waterfront and they've got the signs up saying that uh, due to water quality issues that the beach is closed, it yeah. just bl- it blows your mind. You're, you're like, really? We're going to spend all this money developing our waterfront, yet we're going to pollute the very water that drives the economic engine of Tampa Bay. Do you, How long have you lived in St. Petersburg? 15 years. 15 years. So you didn't, you weren't here when I was a kid and uh, right off of where your old house used to be. If you go past the end of Ross Island mm-hmm. and you went straight out um, where literally Shore Acres ends mm-hmm. before you get to the open bay. Right. Whereas when I was a kid, you turned across immediately there and cut across and you know went over to the island. But <clears throat> off to the left of there used to be a giant boil in the in the bay. I mean, you could actually see it was a bump in the water. And I remember Artesian, the first Artesian Spring. No, or, or was it the or was it the outflow from the stormwater? It was the outflow from the 62nd Avenue sewage treatment plant. Uh-huh. They used to dump right there off of your backyard, oh. and. Uh, you know what? Here's the sad part. Back then, the turtle grass on the on either side of Wheaton Island was about three feet high. All that nutrient. All, all that nutrient in. there. I mean, dude, it was like it used to feed all that. It was like putting malorganite on a lawn, man. It was just like, kaboom. And that's when we used to catch 50-inch snook over there by Christmas Pass. Now that's all gone. So maybe uh, Christman pumping sewage in there is not such a bad thing. I don't know. <laughs> Only time will tell, Tom. All right, break time. Here we go. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to take a fast one, you guys. We'll be right back.
You know what I love about going to break? We solve the world's problems in what? Two minutes? At least. It's amazing how we can do that. Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden Gunn, Barton Blair, Tom Free, and Diego in the studio today. Everybody else is out playing in the woods or getting stuff done today. Uh, we went down the list. Of course, Jonathan's up in Bluntstown. <clears throat> Bill George is out at uh, the Turkey Carnival that's happening out at Green Swamp. And uh, Glenn's up at Panasovki. Carlos, I don't know. And Mike is up at Homosassa. So everybody's out playing and juking and doing whatever it is they got to do. And I'm here at the studio drinking a Coke. But it is so tasty, though. And it's a beautiful morning. So whatever you got planned, uh, today would be a good day to go do it, especially if you're going to be outside. It's going to be nice and sunny, a nice breeze, nice and cool for everyone. So you can go out there and, uh, like Bart and I did, to get out in the backyard and start uh, trimming trees and doing all that kind of good stuff. I think if it's going to get chilly tonight, we might even have a little bit of a fire out there in the fire pit tonight. Might that sounds like a blast. There, get out yeah. there and burn some stuff. I've, I've got a house full of refugees from Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland at my house, escaping <laughs> the uh, the cold weather. And it's still cold up there. They're, they didn't get any reprieve for a while. It, that cold front uh, that just came through Flo- there. Florida chose not to participate in winter this year. We opted out. We never do. <laughs> I don't know. Some years it was pretty bad. I remember the one year when every Chefalera from here to Miami was killed. Those were yep. those constant 32, do- 32 degree days that were horrible. Winter this year was on a Wednesday, and if you blinked, you missed it. Yep. <clears throat> Just wait till Friday. Another front cold through. You'll be fine. <laughs> I always love this time of year when uh, it always seems to happen during spring break because you get all these uh, visitors down here, and they think it's going to be this, you know, this lovely paradise. And it's usually that way for like the first day. Mm-hmm. And then usually, eventually, a cold front comes pushing through and pushes temperatures like this down. Yeah, they they get all they get all sunburned, and then all of a sudden the temperature drop hits them, and you can just see their teeth chattering. Oh yeah, it's going to kill them. And then the the brave ones who think it's still cool to get out there off Clearwater Beach and jump in that water when the weather is like this with the air temperature like it is, they find out quickly that the cold and uh, humidity in Florida that mix together with cold seawater mm-hmm. or ocean water kind of takes. Every ounce of heat out of you in about uh, five minutes. Oh, yeah. About five minutes. Yeah. And then, uh, as Tom just pointed out, you sit on the beach wrapped up in every piece of cloth you can find going, you guys want to go back to the hotel? I think there's a hot tub back at the hotel. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was last Monday. The kids, they wanted to go to the beach so bad, took them out to the beach. And first thing they did is run, jump in the water, and then <laughs> baby Kay comes running out, and she's just like, Dad, it's cold. And I was like, I told you it was going to be cold. The water's only like 73 degrees. You were born here, child. You should know that. If it says (laughs) anything below 86, you're not supposed to be in it. It's uh, illegal, I think, for a true Florida cracker to get in water. My youngest is out at uh, Colorado State and Fort Collins, Colorado. How's she liking that? Oh, she loves it. But the uh, the other week, uh, they closed the school because the temperature was going to be negative 19 no, thank you. And they can't. They couldn't uh, because of the how much air they have to pump into the buildings to you know ventilate it for COVID. They couldn't heat the buildings and keep the interior of the buildings above freezing no with way. the temperatures of negative hundred, negative nineteen. Now, so your, they canceled classes. Well, I guess that's a smart thing to do. But now, with your daughter being the uh, the bow killer that she is. Is she going to uh, get a non-resident, or is she? She, uh, you know, uh, she is. She hasn't hunted in Colorado, but she has developed a passion for fly fishing. 
So okay. she's got uh, she she now is uh, is is way better with a fly rod than I will ever be. And they have the Pooter River, which runs right through Fort Collins, which is some world class trout fishing. And she's only she's less than an hour from Estes Park. She's got the you know her all her uh, licensing for up there, and she she spends a good deal of time out there fly fishing and catching uh, you know brown uh, you know browns and native rainbows. And uh, so I go out there and, uh, and can you keep those out there? Uh, you know there are some areas where you can keep them, but a lot of the water is catch and release. Now Fort Collins is that. Is that straight down below Denver? No, or is it's it? it's out, literally an hour and fifteen minutes from the uh, Denver International Airport. Southwest, east, S- where? S- S- directly north of the airport. So uh, we did drive through Fort Collins. I thought we did. You're when go, we if you went to, to Cheyenne, Wyoming, if you went to Cheyenne, you drove through Fort Collins. Yeah, we went to Fort Collins, then Cheyenne, then up to Casper. Yep, so yeah, you yeah. drove right through it. Well, dude, man, she's like three hours away from some of the best prairie dog shooting in the world, man. She between uh, between her her classes, her fly fishing, and everything else she's involved with. You know, I do get her down here uh, to to go hunting in here in Florida, and then of course she is required to go to Missouri and uh, help me with uh, doe management. Out required, on the farm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, well, you the know, daddy daughter demand. You got to come down here and kill some does. She's, she's got it. she's got she's got a quota <laughs> she has to fill every year on. That's whether, not a bad and I, thing, and I don't care if she. Does it during during archery, rifle, or sure. muzzleloader? As long as she hits her quota of doe, That's <laughs> we're funny. okay. That's awesome. Well, I mean, she's literally in a in a in a spot where no matter what direction she goes into, it's probably going to be yeah. some of the best hunting in the world. Oh yeah, she uh, she she loves it out there, and uh, you know, uh, I had you know, of course, I had to. Up, you know, she she was shooting two forty three in Florida, but so we needed something a little more punch. But you know, she she's teeny. She's only you know five two, a hundred pounds. So you know, I I got her a six five Creedmoor because I can upload that, and she can she can hunt pretty much anything she needs to out there with that. So well, when she gets the uh, this is her first year in college up there. Nope, she is a junior. So she's already passed the sophomore twenty pounder yep. thing. So, oh yeah, yeah, she's. Pe- well, that sucks because then you could have moved her up to the new six point eight western. And then, I, uh, I was reading that that is a, that. If, well, if you can find uh, you know bullets to feed into, we it, got that bullets. Is, yo, you do. Yeah, nice. we just don't have a gun. That's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite thing. Uh, uh, Browning, uh, you know, it's, it's very limited on the production of it, but uh, we were all giddy because we got a case of the uh, six point eight western in, and we were all. Had to open a box and look at them and like, yeah. And you know when that- I did a little thing on our Big and Wild page. I put it up there and said, "Can you guess this game changer round?" And I think, oh, I saw it. Yep, I saw it. I think um, uh, Ronnie Ronnie Belmonte was the only one who got it correct. That's pretty good because I couldn't figure that one out. And everybody was like, uh, seven millimeter eight. Bart, you guessed six five Creedmoor, yep. and that was the big guess. I think everybody thought it was a Creedmoor. And, uh, and it didn't look. It didn't. Something about it didn't look like six. I I have a six five. It's a lot fatter. Just, just for for uh, you know, I, I got one of those uh, Weatherby Ti. You know, the gun weighs four point nine pounds before you scoped it. Matter of fact, you know, Bill out there, Bill and you guys helped me get that through a G five. That's a great little uh, rifle. Yeah, just you know, it's a, it's you know four point nine pounds. You know, you throw a Vortex scope on there, and you know, you've got a you got a rig that's you know sub six pounds. And if you got to carry a carry a rifle around, uh, you know, it, it's nice not to have that extra weight. I, I uh, um, speaking of the Vortex, everybody that ever comes in and gets one, they're always like, "Ah, oh, man, what do you think about these and all the other stuff?" And I'm like. Got a lifetime warranty on it. I mean, uh, 
If you got to burn through two of them, it's worth the price. Yeah. But I, I think that's why every cop in America loves vortexes because they beat the crud out of them, and then that way, you know, if you need a new one, you get a new one. It's, yeah. it's not that yeah, big. That, of, that's it's like the old Tasco warranty. You know, yep. you send that's, it that's in. The warranty was one of the reasons I ch- I went with. Uh, and they got good the glass on them. I mean, they're really good little scopes uh, for the money. They really, really are. And and don't think that they're all cheap because you get up to the six by twenty fours and you get in some of the tactical ones. They get into some pretty good money. I mean, the same as uh, a Zeiss Conquest or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, it's about the same same price. So well, now that you know that like Nikon has gotten out of the scope business, that, you, know. you would not believe how many people don't realize that that they uh, you know they all got Nikon's or they come in and looking for one. You're like, dude, they're they're not they're they're not doing anything. And what you got now is what you got to keep till the end of time until it blows up because. Uh, now the warranty doesn't cover the scope; it just covers parts. And if they got the parts available, they'll fix whatever they can. And if they don't, then uh, you're, you're out, out of luck. Yeah, you're out of luck. So, it is what it is. And you know what? They specifically said one word that was pushing them towards bankruptcy. You know what that word was? No idea. Vortex. Vortex. Vortex scopes was actually. Taking their market share away from them. Exactly, because they were around the same price point and everything else like that, and people were just like, it was uh, for the money. And, uh, and of course, once they got started making more money, they improved the quality, and everything else went uh, better, and everything. And now everybody wants them. Everything from their red dots all the way up to, like I said, the 6x24s and things like that. Had a guy come in the other day and bought a... Uh, that SIG 300 wind mag that we had, that oh, stainless yeah. barrel one, mm-hmm. and put that 6x24 on there because he was going out to Utah and was uh, was going to take an elk at no less than 500 yards. That was his <laughs> goal. He wanted uh, he wanted to, to go out and shoot an elk at 500 yards. Uh, you know, every, everybody has a bucket list. I guess. And that was his, you know, might not be my thing, but that's, you know, that, you know I'm not going to tell you, you know, you know, that that's, that's wrong. As long as you can can make the shot yeah exactly. as long as you put in the time on the range and you know that you're not going to wound an animal at 500 plus yards knock yourselves out yeah and i and i asked him i said um <clears throat> so you're going to go with the 300 win back for that and he's like yeah i said well it's it's a shame we don't have one of those browning 6.8s because they actually outperform the 300 win mm-hmm. nowadays and it's a shorter round it's you know it's a little bit lighter but that thing's a thumper if you uh if you go to our facebook page uh, you'll see the picture, and I actually put the ballistics up, at least for the browning load that they have there for that particular round, which was a ballistic tip. Uh, you look and see what the uh, foot-pounds of energy is all the way out to the till the thing hits the earth. It's pretty frightening. It's an amazing round. It's uh, it's gonna it's gonna put a lot of three oh eight a lot of three oh eights, thirty odd sixes, and three hundred wind mags out of business. I think a lot of guys are gonna put those in the shelf or hand it down to. Hey, you boys like this rifle? Sell it to my brother-in-law. Hey, you want to buy my old, uh, you know, and off she goes. Uh, now for Florida, I'm not going to have that discussion that I'll have with Bill George. Is uh, You know, he always believes there's only one level of dead. So yeah, <clears throat> well. the people ask me, go, was that 6.68? Uh, Why would you even need that in Florida? And I go, well, see, that's that code word. I can't tell you what you need. Only you can tell you what you need. <laughs> And if you think you need a 6.8 with a, 
about 300 foot pounds of energy, go for it, bro. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was. You got to do. I, you know, I, I, you got me uh, some rounds for my my six five when they when they weren't when they you know as soon as they came in, you let me know they were there and I got got them and you actually delivered them, but I ended up hand loading uh, 250 rounds of six five so that I could actually go to the range and practice so I could be proficient at those longer ranges and and not beat yourself up at the same time. Exactly. And speaking of that. Now that uh, I had delivered to your house, you know, you've started the Braden Ammo uh, drop-off service. Cause exactly. I, I had to go drop off some uh, 5.7 to Brooksy Hall last Saturday <laughs> on the way. <laughs> He's like, well, just it's on your way. Just swing by and drop it off at Brandon Ford. I was like, <sighs> okay, fine. I'll do it. i got to get off. So, so remember, away. folks, if you need ammo yeah. and, and, it's, and it's inconvenient for you to go to G5, sure, yeah. Braden will bring it straight to your door. You know what? It's it's. Uh, it's Uber Ammo. Uber Ammo. I'll start a new, I'll start a new business. Ammo drop-off. It's all good. We're taking a break. Top of the hour. Here we go. This is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back. Let me tell you. Yeah. 